0: Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week, Adria Nassim. We go back to our archives for the interview, which took place in August 2016. She had just begun writing a weekly column for the Herald Times about life on the autism spectrum. She was in the studio with her service dog, Lou. Let's hear what Adria has to say about being, in her word, different. Adria, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you, Mike, and thank you for having me.
0: You speak to groups, to classes, to individuals about people who are on the autism spectrum, what the autism spectrum is.
1: I, in college, was originally was an education major, but I really started studying it just out of my own interest and then was diagnosed actually as a child with something called nonverbal learning disability at age five, which impacts my ability to understand uh, abstract reasoning and navigational concepts. An autism spectrum diagnosis came around in my late teens as um, it became more, impar- more apparent that I was struggling socially. Mm-hmm. And uh, my social deficits being began to mirror more of what, at what was called Asperger's syndrome. Mm-hmm. and now is just called, just lumped in with autism spectrum disorder. And so I started to read about it and I thought, you know, it would be very, I think I could help a lot of people and a lot of students who want to work with students with special needs if I could get up there and tell my story of what it's actually like to live as an individual on the autism spectrum. Because I think in in many cases, um, individuals who are looking to study special education or related fields and work with children with disabilities, you often hear from providers in the field or parents of children with uh, disabilities, but you don't often hear from the child, or in my case, the adult child themselves, to say this is what it's like. Hmm. So that's really what I hope to accomplish. And yeah, a lot of it, I'm sorry, to go back to your question, was just reading and academics and, and research. And as well as the fact that my mother is a pediatrician Mm -hmm. and sees children with autism spectrum disorder of all levels all through the day. Yeah, she doesn't just specialize in special needs, but she absolutely does uh, see loads and loads of children with uh, chronic illness and and special needs.
0: So is it uh, coincidental that it turned out that you became a person on the spectrum?
1: think it was coincidental because my parents knew early on that I was um diagnosed as oh I was I was three months premature uh-huh. and diagnosed with mild cerebral palsy mm. hours after birth so they knew that they were going to have a child with differences and developmental uh disability and they knew as I said by the time I was five years old that I had a pretty significant learning disability and as social struggles and children with with uh, learning disability do tend to struggle socially but with my type of learning disability it it is more apparent um, with their difficulty with um, abstract reasoning, Hmm. um, mathematical concepts uh, that sort of thing, motor planning um, that's not the most pronounced um, difficulty as far as social deficit but by the time, as I said, that I reached adolescence, as it became more apparent that I still wasn't fitting in socially, still had very little interest, let alone understanding, of things like romantic love, um, was struggling uh, to make and maintain friendships still hmm. at age 18, 19, on into college, yeah. Wow.
0: Well, I met you, I believe, in 2010. Mm-hmm. We were at the bookstore, and you walked in with Lucy, mm-hmm. Lou, who, by the way, is with us today.
1: Yes, she is.
0: Lou is, uh, is a service dog who is always with Adria.
1: Yes, nearly always, yes.
0: And uh, actually, you trained her. I did, yes. When oh. I met you, I didn't know what the issue was or why you had a service dog. Mm-hmm. I assumed you were blind. So I went up to you and I said, can I help you find anything? He mm-hmm. said, no, I'll find it myself. And I said, well, that's weird. How are you going to find something yourself? You're blind. Oh my God. Well, obviously, it turns out you're not blind. You no. can see really well. How does Lou help you?
1: Lou is trained uh, in scent tracking to find the way home uh, for difficulties with uh, visual spatial navigation um, she's trained to find the way home when I get lost or disoriented, uh, if you say a certain word, which we will not say in here because oh, she gets right. very excited. Mm-hmm. And she knows that her treat or her ball is coming. Ooh. So it's like it's like Christmas when you say it.
0: So how often do you have a, a difficult, like getting lost, right, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Do you Are you always lost? No. Or are you occasionally lost?
1: Occasionally, but even then, it's interesting the relationship between a person and a service dog because what I've had to do is to almost take her on practice runs, to fake it. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple Every couple weeks, I'll take her out and do practice runs with her on IU campus or around the area and say, Lou, magic word, mm-hmm. and have her kind of lead out in front of me and she'll start sniffing. Mm. And when she gets to the house to get her, her prize
0: uh-huh.
1: because the, it's interesting the dog doesn't know when it is an actual emergency and when when it's just a practice run they know the word or they that's know, all
0: that counts
1: they you know. know the signal yeah. yeah wow um she's trained uh for um navigational assistance due to a severe learning disability and mild autism she also acts she's a very good social icebreaker for um, forming relationships and communication with others, which actually is one of the very... um, um, very often a reason why parents will look into getting a service dog for an individual with autism, because they may be socially isolated, but having a dog that is medically... well, trained and medically allowed to accompany them in society is such, it's, it takes the pressure off socially. And uh, generally, the American public likes dogs. And so when you have a kid, well, not just autism with any disability even, who is in some ways seen as different, seen as odd, who is accompanied by a well-trained dog, people tend to say, oh, hi, can I pet your dog? Mm-hmm. And it becomes a bridge between mm-hmm. Uh, people with and without disabilities. And you wouldn't believe how my social circle has expanded. Yeah. Everybody knows Lou. I mean, half the time they don't even know my name, but they right. know they know Lou. Yeah.
0: I was speaking with someone who I forget the other week, and I was telling him about having you on uh, uh, the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this person remarked that in a few years that he's known you, mm-hmm. You are much more sociable. Mm-hmm. You must have done work to get more social.
1: Yeah, I did. <laughs> like what? It was a lot of, of social skills therapy. Really? Through um, a program called the College Internship Program. Huh. There is a campus here in Bloomington, which is the one that I was enrolled in. Bloomington, the College Internship Program has campuses all over America. We have six campuses, but... The one in Bloomington, which is on North College Avenue, is the only in the Midwest. Um, And we offer uh, social skills training as part of our uh, services.
0: Can you give me an example of what a bit of social skills training would be like?
1: Yeah, we do group, we offer group and individual sessions and I was with them for three and a half years. So it was things like learning how to fake eye contact
0: how to fake eye contact. Because that's one of the things. When I first met you, you always looked down.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. That's now, what people say. Uh, Right
0: now, you're looking me straight in the eyes. And that's it's sort of surprising to me because at first you wouldn't do
1: that. But, they but train now you, you do. They train you to look in the person's general direction and pick a spot on their face, and it looks like you're looking them in the eye. I uh, enrolled in, in CIP when I was... In a ju- when I was a junior in college at age 23 so and before that I didn't you know ABA when I was a kid applied behavioral analysis therapies like we have Little Star Center we have reach high consulting and therapy we have um, crystals behavioral solutions uh, multiple different service providers here in Bloomington that provide applied behavioral analysis therapy to children uh, and I suppose adolescents on the spectrum but when I was a kid, that didn't exist. Right. So it was just a lot of parental modeling and mm. and um, sibling modeling. I have a younger sister, uh, Janelle, who is now 28, mm. who uh, is two and a half years younger. But it was a lot of modeling and a lot of consistent expectation with consistent consequence. Otherwise, no, we had no therapy.
0: As a kid, as, as a very young kid, did you have a sense that, and I... I find it almost difficult to try to describe this and I don't want to be insulting no, in any way, no. so you let me know. But did you feel you were missing something yourself? Or did that have to be told you?
1: I knew that I was different. Okay. Uh, when I was young, my, mo- my mom and dad uh, did, a, I think did a very good job of just accepting the fact that they had uh, brought into the picture, if you will, a child with differences. Mm-hmm. And just accepted it and said, this is Adria. She's going to be a little different, but God, God gave us a beautiful child and we'll do whatever mm. uh, we can to give her a beautiful life. But, uh, and also, it wasn't just eye contact. It was, gosh, watching things like Modern Family and the Big Bang Theory with the sound off so we could recognize uh, the nonverbal body language. Really? Oh, yeah. And, uh let's see, we did things like... um, working on how to maintain a reciprocal conversation.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: And not just talk about things you are interested in, interested in, but to ask about other people, to engage with other people socially and not just have it have the conversation always be about you or always be about your interest cuz it's very common with individuals on the autism spectrum to be very interested uh, have very limited interest in one or two things and they, for example, let's just use this as an example, may be all about Pokemon all the time. Okay. Or all about trains or all about Harry Potter or something. But socially uh, they may, they you know, are going to have to understand that it can't be about Harry Potter all the time, especially uh-huh. in, in certain settings. For example, if you're at a dinner party with your colleagues, it's not appropriate to be talking about Harry Potter, hmm. you know, but if you are, uh, sitting around watching movies with your college friends, yeah, you can be talking about Harry Potter. I mean, you don't understand what I'm saying.
0: So these are lessons that not only do you have to learn, but you have to keep reminding yourself of. Yeah. And, and again, it's a, it's a matter of work it is. and discipline It is. and you're still at it, would I, I assume?
1: I am. I will watch TV now. I'll watch TV and try to figure out the relationships between the characters. Or really? Or even go down the street and I'll watch uh, people and I'll be like, how much, in, in my head, I'll be thinking to myself, how much do you want to bet they friends? Huh. And then I'll look, I'll look, I'll look further down the street. Nope, he's her boyfriend and five bucks, he's about to break up with her. Oh, wow. <laughs> or something. And maybe I'm not right, but I mean, I'm always challenging myself because right. I really do want to be better. And again I understood from very young uh that that I was different but um uh, I don't know I've always had this hunger within myself to very much want to fit in with the mainstream. Really? Oh yes. Uh in every sense of the word. So do you? I believe so now, yes.
0: Now. Now let me go back When you were talking about what service Lou provides, Mm -hmm. and you talk about occasionally uh, getting uh, confused as to where where you are or where you're headed, Mm -hmm. when that happens, are you scared?
1: You know, I sometimes am, but that's the thing, and this is something that I've actually never delved into a lot with people, but I'd be happy to know that's, you have to, be very calm in that instance uh in an instance where you rely on the dog you have to be very calm because the dog feeds off of your energy yes so um so you um, don't
0: want the dog to be all messed up antsy, in, you know, antsy, yeah right
1: so i kind of have this i kind of have people in my uh, and i don't want to sound like uh you know crazy or anything but I almost, I almost have people coaching me talking to me in my head like the trainers that i've worked with and um just telling me you know trust the dog trust the dog and that's why i think i train her so much i make her do it mm-hmm. because and i i love when it's just me and lucy because when it's just me and lucy i have um, you i really feel like um this is the bond that we've worked for, and this is what she's trained to do. Now let her do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel, I feel like uh, there's nothing like I feel uh, connected to her, almost like a mother would to her child. Wow. And you know, there's nothing that she loves more than to please me and to get her reward. And I very much love her, so I feel like. We're connected in a way, and yeah, if she does her job, I'm gonna I'm gonna praise, her, I'm gonna reward her. But when I need her, um, yeah, I'm I I very much trust her. I very much want to, even though in inside, like my my heart might be beating out of my chest. I love her, and I've trained her pretty much uh, with some professional assistance since she was about gosh eight weeks old. Mm-hmm. So over that time, that bond has been built. And yeah, I'm going to challenge her, but um I love that that you know, that experience of just me and the dog cuz it's when it, when it's just me and the dog it's like I just can't wait to see what we do together. It's <laughs> it's fabulous.
0: She's your family.
1: Yeah, and she's honestly like another reason like um that I have her is well, two other things actually, three. Uh she uh has allowed me to live in a community semi independently, mm-hmm. whereas if I didn't have a dog, I have a reason to believe that my support hours from community support service providers would be reasonably higher. Whereas I'm I'm getting up in the morning, I'm going grocery shopping, uh, I'm dropping stuff off at the post office, I'm going to the dentist, I'm getting stuff done. Whereas now, with having Lucy in the house. I'm living by myself in a house, uh, which probably wouldn't happen without a dog. I'd probably, I mean, I'd live with a roommate, which I've done, but my I think my parents wanted to see, you know, could Adria really do it? I think my parents are. Uh, I love my parents because they're always pushing. They're always pushing, uh-huh. and it is very hard for for a parent to let their child go, but especially a child with, with difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the fact that they did it. Um, because I, my mom sometimes will ask me, Adrian, are you happy? And I'm like, yes, mom, you can stop asking I am happier than I have ever been. Wow. Um, uh, and it, Lucy also, when people see, I would hope a dog in a vest, out in the community with, with someone, whether it be a child or an adult. And, uh, and that, that someone, uh, for example, is not in a wheelchair um, or you know, you can tell with an individual with Down syndrome that that, that individual may require some extra assistance or need five extra minutes uh, to get get um, their groceries at the checkout. But with me, a learning disability on autism spectrum disorder, is invisible so I think having Lucy day to day allows people to hopefully stop and think okay there's got to be something with this person going on that that permits me having five extra minutes of patience here and you know it's really worked out for the better because um, and I'm not saying that I deserve pity at all but I've noticed that People stop me and say, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? And, um, I would much rather them act that way than just kind of, um, you know, not really look at all. Mm-hmm. And some sometimes I do get, like, I have actually gotten people asking me, um, why do you have a dog? You don't look like you need one.
0: <laughs> really? That's strange.
1: <laughs> yes. And I, you know, at that point I just say, um, you know, I... I have um, uh, different medical needs that warrant the use of this dog. Uh, thank you, and I just go. What? A
0: very generic answer. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're being civil, but not too much detail.
1: Yeah, and I think, again, that's that's part of what my mom said, too, is you don't want to reveal um, diagnostic information to somebody <laughs> no. you yeah. Because they could go back and go, like, oh, my gosh, look, easy target. Yeah. Yeah
0: you have a, a sheet of paper here, and I was gonna ask you, what are we talking about when we're talking about the autism spectrum?
1: Well, the autism spectrum is a, um, is a, is a name for a group of developmental disorders that um, it can range from, level of impairment on anyone can range from mild to severe, and the <coughs> excuse me, the impact is lifelong, um, mm. but it, it's called autism spectrum disorder. It's and it's the name. It's uh, excuse me. Um, it primarily affects delays in social and communication skills, both verbal and nonverbal. Uh, so when I say nonverbal, difficulty recognizing uh, gestures, body mm-hmm. language, mm-hmm. tone of voice, that sort of thing. Um. Um It can be mild to severe, um, so, some requiring full-day assistance, some requiring um, only little or none at mm-hmm. all. Um, but And therapies have been known to greatly improve prognosis. Uh, the earlier started, the better, um, often in early childhood. There used to be something called Asperger's syndrome. Uh-huh. Asperger's syndrome formally until May of, until, uh, yes, I believe May of 2013, when the DSM-5 uh, changed it, right um, was known as what is, or what was, the tip-top of the autism spectrum in functionality. And now that is just known as part of autism spectrum disorder towards right. the uh, more, less imperative, I guess you could say. Yeah. End end of things and that's where actually I was diagnosed as Aspergers. Uh-huh. Mhm. So
0: generally when is it determined that a kid has or is on the spectrum?
1: Generally well I I should say it can it, it can vary case to case but they can detect it um by early childhood um uh, 3 to 4 even I've heard even two, but um, really that early. But I don't know that I. And yeah. again, I'm not I'm not Einstein, but I don't know that I believe two because often they're not in play group by two. Right. They're not in pre K around other kids. But three, four.
0: Do you think the parents notice something amiss?
1: I would. Well, again, I'm not a parent, but you know, you can you can see um, how. If you, have, if you have an infant, if you say follow daddy's finger, mm-hmm. does he look at your finger or does he, is he just all the way over here looking at things on the wall? Really? You can, um, like Autism Speaks, I was looking at org, which is a national autism research and advocacy organization. I was looking at a list last night of signs and symptoms of autism. Does he point at things to show you, to show interest? Really? Yeah. Um, does he follow your gaze? Does he, does he cry?
0: You mean lack of crying might be a sign?
1: Or even or even extreme crying. Like or he, extreme crying. Like you like you, coddle him to yeah. rock him to sleep and he, oh, good. Or he, he tenses up or he just, yeah, he doesn't they like They
0: shy him. away from physical, possibly oh goodness, yes. from physical contact. Yes. And you yourself, what's the deal with physical contact? What if someone wants to hug you?
1: take a hug but it usually takes a while for me to trust people yeah and if i know you if i've known you for a while yeah i'll give you a hug and this may be just just the general public i don't know but i'm not one to just go up to people in church and just like be like hey like thanks for coming to church today or like i i can't see massages i really really cannot know wow Um, i even as even, well, as a young child, um, I asked my mom, and she said, you know, I was never a very, like, I never really sought affection as a mm-hmm. way of calming myself down. I was, like, I eventually learned, you know, to give hugs to my family and give kisses, and with prompting, like, are you going to tell sissy bye? Are you going to tell Nell bye? And uh, I would give her, I would give my sister a hug, and, uh... I can remember sometimes as I was young, like, go hug daddy, go hug daddy, bye. And then I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, like, come give me a hug, mommy.
0: Where were you born and raised?
1: Where was I born? I was born in Louisville, Kentucky at uh, Cossard Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, excuse me. I believe Norton Suburban, sorry. Okay. <laughs> but that doesn't really mean. And raised... Uh, Southern Indiana, Greater Louisville area.
0: And so, as you say, your mother's a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. What did your dad do?
1: My dad taught uh, organic chemistry for Mm. uh, IU Southeast for 30 years, He's recently retired, I believe, uh, in the summer of 2014, I Uh think. And my sister, I have a younger sister, Janelle, who um, went to undergrad at, um, well, yeah, went to undergrad at Florida Atlantic in Boca Raton and is now studying, uh, doing med school there, uh, and is going, is applying to residency, and wants to do dermatology.
0: Do you ever, when you're going to go to sleep at night, do you say, I wish that I wasn't on the autism spectrum? Um, Do you you feel like you're missing something?
1: You know, I got to say, I think, well, I'm not going to lie and say that I had never had those thoughts Mm -hmm. in my life. I think that even with cerebral palsy, because I do have a diagnosis of cerebral palsy too, I think growing up, I grew up around, I was mainly in general education classes minus um, a a specific learning disability in math. So I was uh, in math for pull-out for like an hour a day or whatever it was. But other than that, I was around typical population of kids k through twelve public school, and I think being so close to being typical it definitely made me see you know the the real world of what goes on in adolescent America and most of the times I was a, a happy kid and very thankful and very just tickled to death with my life but I think I think there were some times where um you know, especially when people when kids were getting their licenses that I realized you know Adrian, that will that will not be your life.